0: Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Warburton. So Sam is a former professional rugby player having captained Cardiff, Wales and the British and Irish Lions. He now spends his time as a broadcaster working for BT Sport and BBC Sport as well as writing for the Times newspaper. And in addition to that, he's founded the SW7 Academy which helps rugby players improve their sporting performance. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Sam onto the show. So Sam, welcome to the Science Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Mate, I'm a genuine listener. I was, I was honoured when you came through and asked me to jump on. So thanks for having oh. me on, Matt. Pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, our highest profile listener, apart from my mum. So
1: uh, thanks for keeping <laughs> that one uh, Oh, you'd you be know. surprised. I think you're, you've, you've got a great platform, really informative. So no, thanks for what you're doing, Matt. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. So... For those who don't know who you are, can
0: you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now?
1: Yeah, so uh, my name's Sam Warburton. Um, I'm a former professional rugby player, um, played in captain for Cardiff, Wales and the British and Irish Lions and now I do more work in broadcasting for rugby. And I've obviously, hence, been on the podcast. I've got a massive thirst for, for S&C. So I'm involved in the S&C world a bit now with various companies, which we'll probably come on to. So, um, but if in another life, if I wasn't a professional rugby player, I would have loved to have been a, a professional strength and conditioning coach. Hence, my love for the podcast and uh, all things strength and conditioning.
0: Oh, mate. And you'd age about
1: 10 years in, in about three days' time. So <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it just, uh,
0: just based on uh, keeping some good looks. So don't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, mate, tackling with your face
1: in rugby for ten years makes you age. <laughs> makes got, you age pretty badly too.
0: <laughs> you've got away with it there, to be fair. you could have got of smash nose all over the face. Yeah, but my, my
1: teeth is all right. I've actually put, been put off a, a nose operation for the last two years. I can't breathe through my nose. It's not so <laughs> a surprise when people see me in the flesh. The, the, the surgeon thinks I've had about twenty microfractures over the years. So I've got a I've got an operation on my nose. It'll be my eighth operation for my career um, coming up in the summer. So I'm gonna have to walk around with those Hannibal Lecter masks for like ten days. <laughs> <laughs> doing the school runs, they're going to be calling the police. So, it's going oh to be
0: excellent, excellent. So, but like, obviously, you you've got that that fantastic career behind you. But um what are you up to now? So, like, obviously, rugby was was a, a big deal. Like, you've you've moved on from that a little bit. What's uh, what's keeping you busy now?
1: Yeah, so yeah, the broadcasting's good. And um, you know, I'm covering live rugby games, which, which I absolutely love. You know, rugby's like my sport, so I absolutely love doing that. But I've managed to, to scratch the centre conditioning itch with. um I founded a company. As, as all wise ideas, we started it in 2020, three months before COVID hit. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, it, do you know what? It's, it's been, I've loved it. It's been awesome. And like I mentioned, I've always I've loved c So whenever I was a player, if you have an intern, S&C come in, I always got on with them really well, always got on with the, the heads of performance and the strength and conditioning coaches. I would always pick their brains. I'm not actually questioning you because I doubt it. I, I want to learn, you know, and... I did a little bit of a distance learning course for strength and conditioning. I did attempt a a degree while I was playing, but it was too much when I I had various tours coming up, so I had to put it on the back burner. But then I'm still really friendly with a lot of those coaches. My brother's um, a professional rugby physio at the same club that I played in, so I love picking his brains on anatomy and injuries and rehabilitation. So I've got, over the years, I'm 34 now, and I've been involved since I was 16. Yeah, I've got no qualifications to my name. Put my hand up, but, you know, I say that. But I've got... I do I've got a lot of knowledge. I understand a lot. You know, I understand like, you know, whenever they got the Tendo machines out and VBT and you know, all these things, I, I absolutely loved it. So I managed to develop quite a lot. And I thought, well, I'd love, I, I was that sort of young guy scouring around. I don't know if he's got the internet now, but I used to read like have subscriptions for like Flex magazine back in the day. You know, you're probably my age and you sort of remember that. And I absolutely loved all these things. I see kids training now and we probably come on to it, but I see so many mistakes that young guys and girls make when they come to, to training. So we're like, right, look, we'll we'll show you how you can train like a fresh athlete. And we sort of branched off into a little bit like some general general consumer market stuff as well. So you can get your bodybuilding fix as well. But I, I do that now, and I absolutely love it. You know, we've actually snowballed a bit, and now we've got a bit of a team involved in an office, and it, it's fab, you know. So it's a genuine passion of mine, and like good advice a lot of people give, you know, pick a passion because – to do something as a career, because when it gets tough, another passion will pull you through. And that's absolutely the case when it comes to anything strength to conditioning related. So yeah, I've got a few, a few things going on. Like I mentioned involved with a couple of, um, you know, like supplement company and things like that, but that's just cause I love it. I absolutely love it, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good fun.
0: Absolutely. Excellent, mate. And like looking back in your career,
1: before we get onto all the
0: fun S&C stuff, I want to know what, like, what's the highlight? Like what's the, mm. what's the, the most enjoyable part that you can look back on and go, oh yeah, no, that was
1: really good. Good question. Um, people probably think it's going to be like a moment on the pitch, because uh, that's where obviously all the cameras are on and the big crowds and things. Was actually um, So for those who don't know, I'll just really give a quick explanation. I presume that you'd know what the British and Irish Lions are. But every four years, they pick the best players from England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales, and they tour one of the, the big three countries down south in, in rugby, which was... It's always historically been New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia, and you do it—you tour each country once every four years. So you tour New Zealand once every twelve years, and and so on. If that makes sense, I, I was lucky enough to captain the, the the side on on two separate tours in 2013 and 17. And when I was a 14 year old boy, I was watching these tours growing up, and I absolutely loved the Lions. I was like, right, that I have to do that. It's, I've, and my dad. Um, brought home a questionnaire once. Um, He was a fireman. He came home from work. He brought him a questionnaire and he said, oh, Sam, do you mind just filling out this questionnaire? It's for making work. His son's doing a school project, some homework. Just write what you want. So I had a look at it and it just said, name, age, sports, position, and ambition. So I just wrote down, name Sam Warburton, age, 14, sport, rugby union, position. I was open side flanker, which is the number seven. And then it said, ambition. And I wrote down, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating the story. I'm just, and I feel a bit arrogant saying this, but this is what I wrote down. I just wrote down British and Irish Lions rugby legend. And I give it back to my dad. <laughs> and he went, what, what are you doing? I was like, what? He said, you can't write that. It's a bit arrogant. I was like, but that's what I want to be, though. I don't want to be one of a uh, 800 or a thousand people who have ever been capped for the Lions. I want to be like one of the best ever. So like growing up, I think that's when my obsession on S&C kicked in. I got a multi gym. Saved up all my pocket money. Was washing cars, you know, for the family. And I had a twin brother, so we clubbed together. Got a multi gym. Put it in the garage. Just go around running late at night, obsessing to play for the test match for the Lions. Because if you're going to start for the Lions, you know, you've got 15 players on a rugby team. The amount of registered rugby players there are in UK and Ireland, you've got to be on average to play your position the best. You've got to be the best guy out of 75,000 people. That's the sort of ratio to start for the Lions. So i got to do this and I was obsessed. And my dad bought me a lions number no. seven shirt for Christmas when I was that 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 year when I was 14, 15. And I wore it everywhere. Like I was like I mentioned I was training non-school uniform days. And like when I was going to school, I swapped my ham sandwich uh, my honey sandwiches for like ham and tuna sandwiches because there was more protein and the crisp for bananas. <laughs> I, was, I was obsessed, right? Yeah. So anyway, fast forward ten years when I was 24, my first tour in 2013 as captain against Australia and I was picked to start for the test team. And they did a shirt presentation the night before the big games. They brought in a, a Lions legend to give us our shirts. But normally we go to a game, your shirts are just up from 1 to 23, you know, subs as well, in the, in the changing room when you turn up off the bus. But this was a Friday night, day for the games, and the kit man came up to me and we all had our jerseys in our hands, the boys who were picked, because so they do like special presentations for big games. He said, oh, Sam, normally the, the kit is in the changing room tomorrow do you want me to get the jerseys back off the lads now and you'll see it like normal tomorrow or do you want to take it to the game yourself and I went mate there's no way in hell you're taking this off me now like this is this is mine <laughs> it's and mine this, no you're not taking this <laughs> I'm and I, going to I, that. yeah and I went back up to my hotel room I laid it out flat this red line shirt with a number seven on the back this very same shirt that I had when I was 14 year old boy and because my dad asked me maybe a year after when he bought me the shirt at that Christmas when I was young. So where's that shirt gone? I said, I'm not gonna wear it, i put it away cause the next one I gotta get, it's gotta be the real thing. And I put it away and I wouldn't wear a lion shirt until I played for the lion. So I had this moment, 10 years later, I laid this this shirt out on my bed with the number seven facing up, pushed out all the creases and I stared at it. And I went to leave the room and I came back because I just had to look at it. And then I went to leave the room and for the third and final time, I just stared at this Test 7 shirt for the Lions. And that was actually the best moment of my career because it made me realise that 10 years of sacrifice, hard work, resilience, belief, and I got to the top. And that's kind of like, it's a very similar journey when it comes to strength and conditioning. Like uh, any good coach, I'll tell you, there's no quick fix. The, the, The players who get to the top in any walk of life or athletes, whatever, are the ones who are willing to do the work diligently for a long time. And that's why you see these 20-year-olds who are playing, just come out, graduated from rugby academies, playing professional rugby, and they look freaky, and their statistics are freaky. And these kids are like, oh, they're taking stuff and supplements we can't have access to. It's like, no, it's not. It's just they've been willing to do the work. Say it's a gym-based session, you work on strength and power. That's only one quality of a rugby player, but it's an important one. They've been in the gym three times a week for most weeks of the year for the last four or five years you add up all those training units mate you will blow yourself away with how much stronger more powerful you will be but that's just what it takes to get to the top so that was my, my best moment in my career because it was well away from the cameras behind closed doors but it was just that moment and we we won in that jersey as well it's the only jersey i've got up in my house it's just that knowing that all that effort you know was worthwhile and that was actually strangely yeah away from the pitch but that was the best moment of my career Mate, that's a, that's a special
0: story as well. But like when you, obviously, you can take moments like that and they're, they're fantastic. But when you look back at the role of sports science and strength and conditioning to get you to to places like that in your career, like what kind of role did that play for you? Because obviously it can be different for everyone and mm. you're super obsessed with it, so it's going to be a bit more exaggerated with you. But what what did,
1: what happened in that, that process? I think, you know, when, when you're... And I guess most people who listen to this will obviously enjoy strength and conditioning and fitness, and so like you know they'll they'll understand. But you know when you want to be good at something, you you do whatever it you're looking for all the marginal gains. So if you're looking at from SSC perspective, it's like okay, well what's optimal training loads you know what about running speeds and volumes and high speed meters you know rest days you know how do you rest and how do you recover what about sleep what about nutrition i think that's one of the most underserviced aspects aspects of being a professional sports person so i from a young age knew what my protein consumption should be i I did have nutritional advice they can't just tell you when you're young what to eat but i wanted to know I wanted to know the formula so I could do it myself. I don't like strict, rigid diet plans. You know, I like to know, okay, well, what, what what should my calorie hit be? What should my protein target be? You know, what sort of foods should I be using for fuel pre-session? What should I be using for recovery post-session? I wanted to understand that. So I didn't just follow a piece of paper. I actually wanted the knowledge myself. So I understood what I was going through. So when you add all these tools together, you suddenly look at a player who's a good player um, or an athlete who's a good athlete. Like, and I had a good, genetic ability you know i I could tell in school i was you know i was good at i could sprint i could jump um fitness was the hardest one actually you know my sort of aerobic capacity was pretty poor but i was much more of the sort of down the strength power end of the continuum as an athlete um so i knew i was genetically quite lucky you know i was you know i'm six three and pretty explosive guy so i thought that was good but that that that's not worth much if you're not willing to put in all those other aspects into your into your lifestyle and I think the players who understand that they understand that they actually make being a professional athlete, a lifestyle. And yes, you can switch off. You're allowed to have a bit of alcohol once in a blue moon and you can go on holiday. You can eat pizza, chill out. Don't worry. You know, but if 90% of the time, 90%, 95% of the time you're on and you do that for a long amount of time, then it, then it's enormous. So there's obviously a lot of moving parts to that. Um, But a coach I work with now, actually at the, I mentioned the online program in SW7 Academy. The coach I used now was actually the coach I had at Academy when I was 15, and I loved him. I really liked him, and we've all, he followed me through. He graduated with me. We both went into the senior team. He was coaching me at senior level, got my first cap under his guidance, and we still stayed friends and reconnected now post career because I love a lot of what he does. And um, like if you talk about strength of power, he's a massive advocate on VBT, which I, I love velocity based training. Uh, you know, it just stops people from just crushing themselves and wondering why they're not making progress, you know? So I, have loved that. And you know, I remember doing that when I was young and now there's some pretty cool tech around that, but, um, yeah, I mean, you add all those bits into the pot and that will that will make a good youth player into an exceptional top class athlete, but they've got to be willing to add all these other lifestyle aspects into, into their life as well. And when you look back at your
0: career and how that changed throughout that, what you, what you just mentioned as a youth athlete, you had everything that you needed and you wanted all that information. But how did that change your physical training throughout your career? Because obviously at some point, you're, you're pretty strong, you're pretty fast, and you just need to not die every week to make sure that you're well, pretty much right. To just survive until next week and you can have another go, right? So how, how did that change?
1: Yeah, you're right. So when you're young, you're a lot more durable. You know, you are a lot more durable. And I, I sort of mentioned quickly earlier, about eight operations. That doesn't include um neuropraxia like like nerve damage I've had in my neck and shoulder doesn't in- include multiple muscle tears ligament damage dislocations you know like concussion like I had three and a half years injured so like when you get older you know when I say to people look, look two to three strength and power stimulus a week is all you need when you're an athlete and it's for like 45 minutes you know each you know, it's not a massive amount of stimulus you need just to, to keep what you've got you know and, and even progress still you know in season because you've got to combine significant running loads of up to 15 20 kilometers at various speeds you know throughout the week so you can't just yes rugby is a massive collision sport but you can't just focus on the strength and power but then like exercise section changes a lot when I was young I was doing a lot more Olympic lifting um more hand cleans uh you know front squats to complement that you know a lot more back squat and as you get older then um and it's because of the the bumps and like you know when you play 200 pro games and each pro game has you know 50 contacts you know you're looking at thousands and th- over 10,000 contacts you know and that doesn't include training or your youth career yeah. so it, you know you have to manage that load so it became then things like a lot of sled work um, belted squats Bulgarians is probably one of my all-time favorites you know um, just slightly sort of less axial loading really just because you could do it if you didn't have all the running and playing um, demands but when you have ru- running and playing demands and suddenly you have to manipulate your training so as I got older you know I moved towards the more uh, I don't want to say joint friendly because all exercises could be joint friendly with done properly but I guess they suited the the schedule of a rugby player m- much better and then there was more use of, of VBT so you're not sort of you know crushing the nervous system you know early in the week and then you're not recovering in time and then you sort of get that accumulative fatigue throughout the season and you're wondering why you're feeling like rubbish it's like well you've been you've been trying to crush every weight session for the last three months like, you, you can't do that you have to sort of trust the, trust the process is one bit of advice i had trust the process and and build slowly and have patience you know so that that's kind of how my, my, my training changed um from in the gym and i kind of stuck to that now so i don't really do much Olympic lifting every now and then I will just because the alpha in me comes out and I want to sort of see if I can do you know what I did when I was young and I was lifting ridiculous weight but I was mechanically a lot stronger when I was you know 19 to 23 I was I'm, I'm nowhere near those levels now but every now and then I'll I'll dip into it and I might have a little reminder from my lower back that whoops Sam you know, <laughs> calm, <laughs> calm yeah. down have uh, just can't cash <laughs> yeah but I don't overly answer the question but that's kind of how it's certainly changed the gym and you know even things like you know rather be, everyone always asks the famous question to rugby players what you bench and i like, hey, we, we don't bench we we neutral grip dumbbell we floor press you know we do things like that because it's just more friendly on the shoulders you know even um uh, press it with plates press it with bands you know you can you can still tax your chest and you can work that push in a horizontal plane without having to just smash the barbell i do like to barbell bench by the way i'm not i'm not um, crucifying it i do like it but sometimes when you've played a game of rugby it's not the optimal exercise to do you know 48, 72 hours after a game. So, that, they're the subtle changes you make in the gym when when you're an athlete. I think that's really
0: interesting. And when you when you look at those things, obviously it's quite a it's quite a grown-up viewpoint. You're saying this now as a as a grown-up, but like, <laughs> let's say you were 20 years old and you're not quite as as um, as well versed. Is there anything that you look back on and you think you know what? Like, I should have done that differently, or I wish mm. I'd have known this when I was 20 because that would have made me a difference.
1: Do you know what? I have no regrets, but I do have a really big bit of advice. And it's a really boring one, but I promise you it's vital. And I, I had a shoulder drop when I was 18. I had a knee up when I was 19. So I, I quickly realized the importance of rehabilitation. But the one, I think one of the most underestimated aspects of training and for longevity as well, would be prehab and mobility, whether it's for your knees, ankles, more importantly for player's shoulders and thoracic mobility massively underrated so say like a a training plan that that we'll dish i'll dish out now or that i did as a player you would never start a session without doing and when i say five minutes of prehab people think that's not enough but when you do five minutes of prehab say you're doing say you do two upper body sessions a week and you do five minutes of prehab five minutes of shoulder and thoracic mobility so it's 10 minutes in total twice a week that's 20 minutes so you know, accumulatively that adds up over a season. And you, you know, when you're doing shoulder prehab, I'll pick three exercises that can work—you uh, know, low trap, you know, rotator cuffs, things like that—and then I'll do five minutes of thoracic mobility work. But you can that's you can cram a lot of work in in ten minutes when you're doing that because you can sort of you don't need much rest time. Sort of just get it like get three four exercises, do them in a carousel. You'll get three you'll get three circuits of those four sort of prehab exercises. So you have got nine to 12 sets of stimulus from a prehab perspective in five minutes, quite quite easily, you know? So, um, and then you do your mobility and then you've got, say you have an hour then in the gym, then you've got 50 minutes to focus on weights or 45 minutes. So I always say that's the biggest mistake youngsters make. They really neglect mobility. Um, they really neglect prehab. And then when they get older, they're wondering why they've got severe impingement at the age of 25, 26, because they, all they've done is just crush heavy weights and they haven't actually looked after the sort of more important aspect of their joint health and and how they are functionally so that that's my biggest my biggest bit of advice. I do it now religiously because I know if I don't and i and I kind of look at it indirectly as strength training because well, if I don't do this, I get pain and if I get pain, I can't go heavy and if I can't go heavy I, I can't get the strength in as I want so I kind of see it indirectly as strength training almost which made me feel better about it that's how I kind of got around yeah. it psychologically but that would Luckily, it wasn't a regret for mine. I've got no regrets for my physical preparation. I thought I was um, pretty good. Mind you, I look back now and I'm looking at some of the science that's coming out regarding ice baths and you know, we were massive advocates of cryotherapy. Um, so I look back and I wonder whether that could have been tweaked. We used to use a, a cryotherapy chamber in our national um, training base. And I guess there's lots of benefits. It depends what you want to prioritize. Do you want to prioritize like sleep and the mental aspects of maybe some cold therapy exposure or do you want to benefit from sort of like hypertrophy and building muscle it depends which your goal is if your goal is like like hypertrophy and building muscle, then maybe you use a little bit less of it, you know. So um that that's maybe only one thing I might have questioned a bit more if I was a player, but I didn't have the knowledge back then around that. You know, I just sort of listened, to, yeah, let's do cry, it was good for us. Um but again I'm still sort of learning, as we all are, you know, every day there's you know there seems to be you know new research coming out and new yeah. meta-analyses I like to get stuck into. So um but I don't have any regrets but that would be my one big advice for for young players. Don't 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 neglect mobility and, and prehab.
0: And I think it's, it's nice advice as well to, to be critical of what you're doing. So in a, in a positive way, but to, to just accept, okay, we do cryo because it's good for us. Or mm. Maybe have a little think and read about it and what are the yeah. potential downsides? Or just ask your, your sports scientist, S&C, whatever. Yeah, Because um, there are loads of advantages and disadvantages to things. And yeah. these professionals weigh that up and go, oh, probably on the balance, we'll do this. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for your own understanding, linking back to your your first point in the podcast, absolutely fantastic that you want to take all that information and actually deal with it yourself. Um, so I think that's a really interesting one for for kids listening who could uh, potentially improve that as well.
1: I think just you know like over years and I'm, over years and years and years like when you, you know when you and like the very basic first entry level is when I was sat at a a machine, when I was in like an old commercial gym, when I was 15, pretending I was 16, and you're looking at what muscle groups it uses and what plane of motion it is. And and then you're like, you're doing your GCSE, you know, PE and you absorb all of that. And then you like, you you go out and read yourself. And for me that the early reading was like, you know, bodybuilding magazines, you know, And and then suddenly you start picking the brains of coaches and you, and then you actually apply it practically. And then you're looking at what you're doing and then you then I suddenly add the layer of oh well, then you look at the research that's coming out as well, and what what does that back up and and then you once you add all those things in you just you put time into learning, you never know everything all the time you've got to constantly be seeking that advice so those who want to be really good at what they do, well, one, if you're enjoying it you're probably going to enjoy looking for the information, but I just recommend just to just to, just to read, like you know, like if you are reading just for five minutes a day, <laughs> over years you're gonna learn so much. You know, like I don't, I do anywhere near as much reading as a as a full time S and C coach, but you know, I just do enough that I can satisfy my thirst for knowledge, you know, but once you do that for a long time, you'll educate yourself enormously. So yeah, I recommend for people just to do a little bit of, do a little bit of that, do a bit of reading, pick the brains of coaches that you like and learn off what, what they do. And they might open your eyes as well. I think you, I think a lot of people can be very stubborn in their beliefs and not want to change their views. Um, and I've changed my views on, on many things. You know, I used to crush myself in the gym and I've actually learned to Sometimes actually less is a bit more, you know, I, I used to probably train too hard. Um, so, yeah, once you sort of have your eyes open, you speak to experts who know more than you, then you keep, you keep that growth and you keep learning.
0: Absolutely. Excellent, mate. And you, you mentioned VBT earlier is obviously like hmm. some, some great technology out there. Um, what kind of technology do you think is like the, the stuff which is really important for players to be looking at or stuff that you're, you're jealous that they've got now, which you might not have had back in the day?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mentioned VBT, but that's been around for quite a while. Um, been using that, and I but I I never knew I just did it, but now I actually understand it, so I, I do it myself in I can just be in my garage. I can set it up, and so VBT is one. But I still, do you know, what surprised me, I still see a lot of professional environments who don't use VBT, which actually really surprises me. You know, you think that they want to be on the cutting edge of of all this technology. Um, another one is, is blood flow restriction. I, I'm involved with a company called Hydro. Um, I actually think their product's so good. I, I invested in it myself, and I I thought blood flow restriction. I was that young teen. I'm I'm sure you know you're probably like me, like sticking elastic bands around my arms and just trying to get a ridiculous pump in the mirror in the commercial <laughs> yeah. gym. Like I, so, I, I sadly so. before you go out, I've been there. <laughs> Low cut V neck. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate. Um, yeah. So yeah, like you know, and I was that I was that guy. Like you know, I I, used to, I grew up in the era. I, I'm an '88. I was born '88. So anyone listens to this in the noughties is going to be uh, and be earlier since last name but i grew up with the biker mice on tv I made the biker mice with these stacked mice with <laughs> massive arms and i reckon that was my inspiration when i was like 10 to like be try and be big you know but yeah. um, so like I, but I used to use blood flow restriction purely for that and it, and it is and you can obviously still use it for that it's good because you don't have to lift extortionate amounts of weight you can sort of get similar effects in a short space of time so I didn't really use that when I was a player, but that would have been so handy because you're so time poor as a player because you've got, yes, I know you're full-time, you've got to train, but you've got analysis, you've got skill development, you've got meetings, you've got recovery, you've got all these things. So I think that would have been a really handy tool to have used more as a player just to help maintain some muscle mass when you're in season because it's hard to do a lot of volume in season. So I think blood flow restriction, the garments are high to have got, just make that really easy to apply practically. And then what they actually educated me on, because I was well aware of it when I sort of saw the company. I like, oh, brilliant. I'd love that for training. Then I realized actually the recovery benefits. Um, And as simple as getting a garment on, say lower body garment, having a five-minute spin when you're strapped in, unstrapping it for two minutes, and then strap again for five minutes, have a spin, unstrap for two minutes, do it again for a third and final time of five minutes, and then the recovery benefits you can get from blood flow restriction—I thought that blew me—that blew my mind. That's when I really realised, oh, this is actually something I want to get involved in because I thought it was just a, a sort of muscle gain kind of a technique. But when I realised the, the recovery implications, and you've seen a lot of pro sports teams now really buying into it—you know, there's a lot of travel involved, and like I said time is is quite minimal. When I mean, you've got short turnarounds, for example, you know, you can play games in quite short turnarounds any advantage you can get from a recovery perspective is brilliant so have got these garments which upper body and lower body but massively beneficial from um in the gym when you're training um for, for sort of say muscle gain and getting some hypertrophy but also for recovery as well I was blown away with the benefits and the research that backs it up as well you know not just um just not just because it looks sexy. It's, it's pretty it's <laughs> yeah. badass, you know. So I was actually really impressed with that. So I, that's something I didn't use as much as a player. I use it now and I experiment with it now as an athlete. I call myself an athlete. You're forever an athlete. Are you? You're an athlete. You know, we're all athletes. Oh, you know? We all we all train like we're like you know. If you're, try, if you're trying to get physically better, you're an athlete in my eyes. You know, you're trying to improve your physical performance. But I didn't have that benefit of knowing what hydro do back then. So if they were around when I was a, a player, it would have been another one of those layers I would have added to my routine religiously because I would have known the benefits of it.
0: Absolutely excellent mate and we're like obviously I, I, before we run out of time completely I want to have a quick talk about what you're doing now with SW7 uh, Academy so you've talked us through what you're doing there but can you talk us through so for example a, a week plan that you give for a rugby player um, and yeah. like I'd be really interested to see all of this coming together I and mean, being like right this is how I would like to program for a rugby player in this period.
1: Yeah good question and we get actually a um... I know a lot of kids um, so like, you know, we're on the Instagram a lot and a lot of kids are mesh just going, Oh, I've got a, um, I've got a push, pull legs, push, pull leg split. And I play on a Saturday. I'm like, Back up. <laughs> like you got, you're doing six days, you've probably got two significant running loads on a Tuesday, Thursday with your club, and you're playing Saturday, you're you've got nine bouts of very significant stimulus. That okay, way too much. Way too much, and you're wondering why you're not gaining weight, you're not getting stronger, you're not getting more explosive. So um when you're a uh, rugby players, and this is what we kind of program for our more performance plans, we kind of either look at a upper, lower uh, full body so three days a week or we look at three full bodies so they're the kind of splits because they're the t- that, you know you will still want to stimulate the muscle ideally more, more than once a week certainly you know you want to stimulate that muscle twice a week three is is pretty good you know if, if you're not feeling too t- fatigued from a Saturday game you can train on a Monday but then as you go towards that third session that's going to be much more power stimulus so you're on that speed strength end of the continuum you know you're not going to be doing you know very Heavy sort of mechanical load towards the end, back end of the week. That's more the front end of the week. So, and then you can sort of complement. You know, speed is a really good um precursor we find to to weight training. So, you know, it, you, warm up is is the longest part of the speed session. But having then just 10-15 minutes of speed stimulus before you might go into a sort of speed strength power session. You know, to, total. You know, a speed strength a speed strength power session might be you know. Half an hour, you know, because you don't need to warm up. You are already warmed up from from the speed aspects of it. So you could do that in an hour. You can get great stimulus. You can get a speed and speed from a pitch perspective and and power development within an hour. You know, in one session, and then your two earlier sessions in the week could be either upper or lower or two full bodies, depending on on how you're feeling. You get you've got three really good bouts of stimulus in the week, and then you can complement that with with your club rugby training um or your game on a weekend. And if you don't have a game on the weekend, then what I really loved as a player was um, we get given what we, what was called game replacement sessions. So rather than just running 5K, that's very, you know, like these are the basics that you learn all the way back when you're a teenager. You know, specificity. How specific is a 5K run? So I, I love the work ethic when young athletes like I, I run 5K, I run 10K and I, I play rugby. Right. OK, I love the work ethic. In a game of rugby, you probably do cover between 4 and 8k, depending on the level you're playing at. But it involves contact, it's multidirectional, it's acceleration, deceleration, change of direction, you know, up and off the ground. So you've got to replicate that. So... You know, then then being able to provide a, a game replacement type session, which is, long story short, would be the, the simplest way to explain would be like you're strong man, but with some running involved. So, you know, you're flipping tyres, you're, you're pulling things, you're pushing things, you're wrestling, you're doing interval runs. That's very specific to a game of rugby, you know, getting up and off the floor. So then if, you, if, if a player doesn't have that stimulus on a Saturday providing that that option for a stimulus on a Saturday as well. So they can keep their match fitness going as well. So um, that would be how like a typical week would, would look. Um, but yeah, my, I think if there's any youngsters listening to this and they're, they're smashing it in the gym, my, my advice would actually be, have a, if you haven't made much progress, maybe you're doing too much. And I think that's actually, it feels counterintuitive and rest days need to be rest days. And it's things like, I used to quiz this as a player. We'd like train monday tuesday wednesday but i used to be like i I don't really like that because say you're you're on the pitch monday tuesday wednesday and you chuck in a fitness and a speed session in there as well on top of lower body weights i'm like you know we're putting our like say from your hamstrings we're we're doing high speed meters three days in a row like my brother's a physio so i like pick his braids he's like mate, absolutely like on that third day you're entering pretty dangerous territory so when people's hamstrings go oh I, i didn't stretch properly it's like well no you're probably done way too much volume. Like the the reason your hamstring's gone is because you've done too much Um, or you've done too much and you're not conditioned enough, you know? So, you know, I think making sure you get the timetable right, making sure you have rest days and those rest days are rest days. You know, you're not carrying golf clubs around a a course for eight kilometers, you're resting, you know? I think that's the the diligent part of being a professional that some youngsters find hard to adapt to, because it feels counterintuitive. But I love the work ethic, but actually you need to appreciate rest and nutrition and sleep. Are so important they should be the cornerstones of of what your recovery is and for most of us who are lucky to live in in advanced countries you know most of those are free you know so we're, and we're very lucky that we can get water for hydration you know we can access good beds and we can sleep you know and and we have you know obviously living in the uk you know we have good access to food from supermarkets so you know make sure you get those three things right first then you can add like we've mentioned cold therapy if you want it blood flow restriction if you want it you know which are really good but if you're not getting the three cornerstones in place first you get much more benefit from those sort of accessory modalities if you get the three big cornerstones done first properly
0: absolutely excellent so sam massive thanks for your time and effort today i really enjoyed that i think it was a really interesting insight into to your career but also to how people can learn from that too so where can people find out a little bit more about you
1: Oh, cheers! Yeah, so um, we're on Instagram. Um, Hytro is just at Hytro. SW7 Academy for the training plans is just SW7 Academy. If anyone's wondering, that's not the postcode in London because my name's Sam Warburton <laughs> and, my, and my number was seven. It's not. I haven't really thought a whole lot probably about this, but I just called it SW7 Academy. So I mean, they the sort walks of... up to
0: London and <laughs> really. Where,
1: where's Sam? I thought he was going to yeah. train me. Yeah, so it's it's online. It's just an app on your phone. So it's just a piece of cake. You know, it's like just having a PT in your pocket. So yeah, SW7 Academy on Instagram we're on tiktok now getting down with the kids you know cool. like, oh mate it's uh, a new world to us all that so yeah you can find us on sw academy and uh, just at high as well
0: perfect sam massive thanks to sam it's been a pleasure and i look forward to speaking again soon
1: thanks so much for asking me on matt And looking forward to hearing your future episodes cheers mate Cheers, and that's it once again a massive
0: thanks to sam for all of his hard work on today's podcast i really appreciate it and i'm sure you do too Before you leave, i want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. Now, The Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science resources which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. That means you can fit it in and around your busy coaching schedule. In addition, every time you complete one of the mini-courses, you'll get a certificate of completion, which means you can prove your ongoing education. So if you want to get into the Coach Academy completely for free for the next seven days, you can hit the link in the show notes. They're in there in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me, Matt Solomon for Science Support. Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.